You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of again. the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, you already know, day two of minicamp is here. We'll go back to coach at the podium, back to the practice notes, and hear from two players, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, linebacker Jerome Baker. Busy show. Let's go from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. So it's going to be a lot of quarterback talk and Tua Tungavailoa talk on this pod. So strap in for that. It's really a lot of the same with me with Tua. And I continue to beat the drum that it's not been as flashy as the constant parade of deep shots and explosives that we saw all season last year to both Tyreek and Jalen. But having complete grasp of his job, his role in the offense, the offense as a whole, and the ultimate facilitator role within that offense, and the ultimate leader of the entire football team. In fact, I thought Coach McDaniel explained it perfectly this morning when he talked about Tua in the second year and how he's taken ownership of the offense and his leadership role here at the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot that goes into that. You know, I think year two, um, the prerequisite is that he, as the quarterback, he has to have ownership of everything he's doing and what everyone else is doing. Um as the uh, uh, facilitator of the of the offense, and he's checked that box every every day. It's been really cool in a year's time how he's not only learned the language but is now fluent in it, and um, that that opens quarterbacks up to doing some of the components of the job that. Um, are really, it's really hard to try to be the leader of an offense um, and motivate guys and encourage guys um, when you need to or uh, you know, may, maybe be hard on guys when you need to when you're just trying to spit out a play and know your own assignment. Um, so I went into this offseason hoping um, that I would see uh, a graduation of sorts and really have every single day. So that that's first and foremost for his game. You know, you're you're less um, concerned about the uh, really good plays. You know, your your attention is less drawn to that, and it's more about consistency of the entire practice, like just like a game um, where you can have some. You know, he he had. Uh, his games where he made some big time plays and then, um, you know, he wasn't as happy with, you know, the, the rest of the game. So kind of looking at from through that lens and he, he's really been one of our more consistent, if not 
I mean, he's been as consistent as anybody um, day in, day out, which has residual effects to the whole team, and I know um, the team can feel it as well. Might as well get the quarterback's take on the exact same thing. Your second year here, Tua, how has that really increased your comfort level in the program? We feel extremely uh, comfortable uh, coming off of a, a year having to study, um, having to you know, get a good feel of how Mike calls plays, um, you know, get a feel of the guys running the routes and then the concepts and where guys are going to be and uh, the distribution of those. So it makes it a lot easier when you can tr- transition from that, um, you know, into this year and not have to learn new, like a new offense. And I just thought this was so evident on the lone drill so far of many camps in which the drive continued beyond its starting point. Typically you get reps from the same position on the field, but once in a while they'll scrimmage it out in terms of picking it up from the previous spot in terms of where you gained the yardage on that previous play. The Tua-led offense went right down the field. The other two did not, but it was a lot of quick game in that Tua portion. He was 4-for-4 for for roughly 40 yards uh, on that series. He found Alec Ingold twice on hot throws, like quick throws. One was your typical fullback type of shot to the flat, an area where those fullbacks tend to make their living. But off of that, having a fullback with Ingold's athletic ability really allows you to push the envelope and change you know, the look of the defense from that particular route and the wrinkles off of it, like with a little wheel route that catches the curl flat defender on their front foot, leaning forward, eyes in the backfield, thinking, maybe I have a big play here. Maybe I have a pick. Maybe I have a big stick on the fullback that can jar the football loose. And suddenly, he's behind you, and Tua has the touch and accuracy to drop the ball right in over your head, over the top in that bucket, which he did for a big catch and run for number 30. It was like 25 yards or so, watching 30 get down the field and make a big play. Then he comes right back with a quick shot to Alec once again to get ahead of the chains on first down, and then a play on the move where I was super impressed by his knowledge of not just where the 22 hats are on the field, right? But he's rolling to his right, and we heard Brian Baldinger ask Tua a question about all the rollouts he worked on uh, during the individual portion, throwing the football to Tyreek Hill, and Tua really harped on the small things being so important and how he wants to get to more of the plays in the playbook, and McDaniel's like, no, we're going to rep these things over and over again and make them muscle memory, make them second nature, and here comes Travis with his opinion once again. It's like golf, man. Like, if I don't go hit the range or go hit the the chipping area or the putting green every day, you lose that feel, you lose that rhythm. It's the same thing for any sport, really, in football, especially with those touch throws, with those particular types of pitches you have in the bag. So on this particular play, he's rolling to his right. He's got his indicators for the ball might go, right? Like wherever the quarterback's head, shoulders, knees and toes, no, just kidding, heads, shoulders, and hips are aligned, is that's where the ball that's the only position the ball can come out from. So you're thinking that's probably where it goes. That's how manipulating and moving defenses with your eyes typically works. It's not just the eyes. It's the entire body positioning. We've, we've covered that so many times in the podcast here. But then just as quick as he processes it all and gets aligned to that deep over, he's already aligned back to the under route when the ball comes out. It's the same thing I say all the time. The eyes are hardwired to the feet. It's one of the most important, intangible esoteric traits that I don't think a lot of folks pay attention to or even are aware of or or privy to that allows him to execute physically at the same speed that he processes mentally. And he's so sharp in that regard that when you can do that 
It's, it's like playing a video game. You can execute it as fast as you see it because you have to push a button. Two is out there pushing the X button with the QB vision already flipped to where it has to go. And I want to play some sound here from Coach McDaniel on that, on Tua's recall, on his football IQ, and how it helps the entire offense, especially with the audio they have now tapped into the huddle during these practices with that helmet recorder or that helmet camera, whatever you want to call it, how that all coincides to basically increase the offense's ability from the quarterback position and the entire offense to get things down quick and get them down the right way so they're second nature and you can play more reactionary football rather than think and then go, here's coach on his quarterback's recall and football IQ. I think that added resource, um, he's seen it live and he has, he has a very um, strong recall in what he sees and is able to communicate it to coaches. So that it's more for you know coaches to see exactly what he's seeing that that's proved beneficial as well as you know I can um I'm not sure if you guys have it or if you've noticed or not but I'm never in a huddle now I am you know there's a lot that goes on with that you don't um but how you communicate to your teammates um all all of that's available now and um you know there's I, I think he I think he does get some um enjoyment on like see coach bevel this is kind of hard to see um but like he's at the stage of his game where he can he already knows what he see what what he's seen and he's uh is able to articulate it well enough to um now we can we've just found out how honest he is which is a great thing. And of course, we know that this offense is steeped heavily in motion, pre-snap movement, and ways to give the defense eye candy, which you'll hear from Tua here in just a second, and all the stuff that it's designed to, well, actually, let's go ahead and just play the audio here from QB1. Here's Tua Tungavailoa on this offense, motion, and forcing the defense to think. Yeah, I would say it's it's something that that we've you know tried to harp on last year during our operation. Uh, what we don't want to do is go out, get the defense set, and just run a play. Those guys on the other side are already good. And so forcing them to have to communicate, you know, back, back, backs, um, you know, shifting the fronts, you know, just ha- having to force them to communicate and not, not get set and just go out and play football and not have to think. Another thing we've discussed on the podcast is the success of this offense from last season, ranking sixth in total offense, despite some of the attrition at the quarterback and offensive line positions, you know, two key spots. That's a high bar, but that's what this game's all about, right? Trying to get over that bar the next time around, in this case, the next season. And Coach McDaniel mentioned this, I think, back at his original OTA presser a couple of weeks back, how operation was a big area of emphasis for him this offseason. I mean, if you cut down the pre-snap and the operational errors and the timeouts used because the play didn't get in in time and you also increase your third and short offense it's going to be a top three offense it's just that that was to have your biggest shortcoming or shortfall be something that's so correctable to me has me super fired up because I think this coaching staff and this you know personnel grouping up front on the offense I should say can get that stuff taken care of. And one thing I've really noticed this year, one, because I love this stuff and can't get enough of it, but also because it makes my job a lot easier, is the synchronicity between coach and the players and what they all say. And it it goes back to last year too, but like here's an example. Coach talking operation, 
in that previous comment. Here's what Tua had to say about his second-year growth and where he's really focused on for this offense to take that next step with operation. I think um, for me it's, it's continuing to work on the little things. One of the things that uh, we've been harping on has been operation. Uh, when I think of my position, I think of, you know, what have I done as a leader for the guys up front, for the guys out there, um, you know, to have gotten, you know, them better. And what have we done? And so, you know, I think we've been, we've been doing a great job uh, working operation, um, doing some cadence deals, motions, you know, trying to, trying to work a lot of things just to give some eye candy for the defense and forcing them to communicate in the back end. So that all sounds fantastic, right? But what's the other area we've discussed that could be improved or even just help this offense find a different gear that can help them stay not just ahead of the chains, but execute when they do get into those third and short situations? It's finding other options that are not necessarily vertical shots. And while I love averaging 9.6 yards per pass attempt, which is an outrageous number that our quarterback hit last year, you know, if you can go a little more efficient and find more consistency, as we heard Coach talk about a little bit earlier, or maybe it's later, I'm not sure which piece of the audio that comes in here, then you can all of a sudden stay on the field longer, you know, help your defense rest longer, score more points, which obviously is the ultimate goal. But I want to go ahead and go to this about the practical application of all that in accordance with facing this defense assembled here by Vic Fangio. And obviously, Coach Fangio's resume speaks for itself. We've done our deep dive on the system with some of the best football minds in the analyst-slash-media landscape. And as great as all of that is, who better than Tua and Mike McDaniel to shed some light for us on that? Here's what Tua had to say about this defense. I think what he does a really good job with his guys is uh, holding shell in the back end. They do a really good job holding shell and you know, being able to disguise their coverages in that sense, but there's so many nuances to what they do and how they run their defense. So many coverages, you know, it's not just one, there's like a knockoff of like six and just one coverage. So uh, you, you gotta know what they're doing and if you don't, they'll make you pay. Holding the shell. I mean, it's been the broken record here on the podcast of these these practices and recapping the practices, how the coverage has helped produce pressures and sacks, how it's forcing the quarterbacks to scour their entire progressions and make these rapid decisions as the information comes flying at you at 100 miles per hour. I mean, we use the term iron sharpens iron way too loosely, in my opinion, in 2023, I think. But this is a case where it makes so much sense. Coach also praised Tua's recall in his presser this morning, which, again, something we cover extensively on this podcast. I'll never forget the Cleveland game last year and Tua explaining Palms coverage, reading the leverage of the defender, sitting on a route and throwing the ball in behind him to the back pylon for a touchdown. Like, that is smart, smart football. High-level football, as Coach told him on the sideline, was it that game or the Houston game where he was super, where he was mic'd up and he told Tua how high of a level he's playing at? Either way, you get it. Let's go back to Coach for some detail on how Tua attacked this offseason. Yeah, I think the, the major part of it is that he's um, put time into his body that uh, I think um, helps him perform all tasks. Uh, you know, I think that he is... Um, it's funny to reflect on some of the 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 areas of concern, so to speak, um, when I first got here, or just things that were on my radar of, you know, random people saying, okay, well, you know, he's young or whatever, and you know, I didn't have a a complete picture on what you know what type of pro- professional he was, you know, 
Um, and you, as we stand right now, I mean, this dude is um, everything you'd look for in a starting quarterback in terms of professionalism, how he attends to his job, how serious he takes it. Um, he, he takes pride in um, making sure he does his job, but more importantly, how he makes others better at their jobs. And all of that um, can fall on deaf ears if you're not living it yourself. And so he's, I think it's empowered him to, you know, kind of what I was talking about before, where he, he is um, really owning the position um, and, and going about the verbiage of the offense, but really as well as, like, motivating teammates and encouraging them. Um, th- that probably doesn't look the same if he didn't, you know, go about his individual work on his body um, which has residuals all over the place. So you're talking um, his ability to uh, make certain plays um, is enhanced. His ability um, to to protect himself is enhanced. Uh, you know, and his ability to communicate and do his job with his teammates is enhanced. I think it affects everything. You kind of get the sense why Coach is so effusive in his praise of his quarterback, right? I mean, how can you not be? He does it all the right way, and he's giving himself the best possible chance to take last year's raging success from a production standpoint and take it up even another level. And then a quick aside here real quick. Tua was asked about the GoFundMe donation for the uh, creator of Tua Non, Eric Carmona, which our, our thoughts and are still with him and his family, and you know he, he passed away last week. But Tua and Tyreek both kicked in major donations to $10,000 to that GoFundMe. And he said today at his press conference, when asked about it, how he and the Dolphins were thinking about Eric Carmona's family in this incredibly trying time. Tough to transition off of that. We'll try anyways. Let's go ahead and go back to Tua talking about, or I should say back to the discussion about the weight room and the offseason and the bod, the hair, the bod. When you're staying right now, the demigod, here's Tua talking about his off-season regimen and putting on some weight and some muscle in the gym. I'm trying to work on everything. Um, as much as I'm trying to work on uh, throwing the ball, getting the ball to the guys, you know, being able to push the ball a lot more downfield, um, you know, getting in the playbook, I'm doing the same with my body, so... So I just put together this entire picture, all the traits I've raved about of Tua's for years, the command of the offense, the leadership role he's clearly assumed. It's exciting, man. We're a few months out from, from the season, and I, I can't wait for it to get here. I love what I see out here. You come to practice, you know, in the past, like, I hope Tua has a good day, but now I'm coming to practices expecting a clean operation with him and the guys, expecting really, you know, fluid, few balls on the ground, and you're getting it each and, each and every day here. Uh, each and every day. It's been fun to watch him grow and develop and blossom into the player that he is now today. Before our first break, why don't we go ahead and hear from his teammate, linebacker Jerome Baker, on the command Tua has of the offense. He, he's just like uh, he's like one of those guys that every year he's trying to get better in every aspect. Uh, this year, you can tell physically he looks different, but um, mentally, man, he's sharp. I don't think he even threw a pick this, this, uh, this offseason, so um, mentally, he's just sharp and he's on in. You can tell now nah, he's getting on guys when they're not doing right, and that's just you know good to see. Great stuff there. We're deep into the podcast for our first break. Let's go ahead and take it right there and come back and get to the rest of the practice notes and play some more audio for you all on this Tua Heavy edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So a full segment there to quarterback one, which I think a lot of teams would do that. That was fun to track and put together. Let's go ahead and get to the rest of practice. I thought it was a struggle for the other quarterbacks today. Misfires, high balls, hitch up, hitch up, hitch up. Too late, get it out. Uh, Mike White threw a pick in today's practice. I thought today was his biggest struggle. I thought it was Skyler's best day, but that doesn't you know change kind of how I've broken the quarterbacks down here so far on the pod. I thought Skyler had one of the best balls of the day, throwing a deepish shot to Daywood Davis uh, over the middle of the field, right over the top of tight coverage and putting Davis in a position to run after the catch. I thought it was a touchdown and a really nice, fast run to the end zone for Davis, though they did rule him down around the 15-yard line or so in one of those drives where they go the whole field uh, period of practice. Then two plays later, Skyler comes back and finds him for a short throw that he turns up for another nice touchdown run going into the end zone. Impressive finish there for both Thompson and Daywood Davis late in practice. I had Jeff Wilson and Devon A. Chain with big slicing runs to the teeth of the defense. Again, you never know when it comes to tagging off, but I thought both guys pressed and made decisive cuts to get north and south and hit that second level with authority. That's a, kind of how this run game is designed, right? I think the personnel we have really fits that style as well. Chris Brooks, the rookie out of BYU, had a nice run late in practice that kind of got my attention in terms of the power that he played with there in the college game. And you know who was excellent? is Alec Ingold, man. He just opens up so much with his role in a position that's pretty unique in the NFL in terms of the fullback and how teams, how few teams deploy one, not to mention his athletic ability and pass-catching ability. He was fantastic again today. As far as the offensive line goes, same thing I said off the top. It's really tough to gauge their performances in these types of settings, but I thought that Lamb, Jackson, Hunt, and Wynn were part of the key blocks on those big runs I mentioned from Wilson and A-Chain. Also, Austin Jackson had a really good pass rush rep against Emmanuel Ogba, one of Tour's longer completions of the day, a nicely lofted shot to Walla for a chunk of yards down the field. Rob Jones also had a really nice catch and climb where he got out in space and attached to the second-level linebacker and turned him out of the gap to create space for a nice Chris Brooks run. I mentioned Waddle. Put him in the same category that I mentioned with Wilkins yesterday, who was in the orange jersey today, by the way, and had a great playlist with some Papa Roach and some Britney Spears and some, uh, I think it was like R. Kelly or something. I don't even know. But he had uh, two, uh, or rather Waddle just catches it and takes off like, so he's so dang good. He had two plays from two where I think he might have scored in live action with perfectly located passes low, right out of the break, leading him into the run after the catch, just like the 84-yard score against Green Bay, just like the 67-yard score against Buffalo, just like the 50-some-yard play in Baltimore. The guy is instant offense. I thought Eric Ezukama had one of his best days I've seen. He's got such strong hands and just plucks it with what looks like minimal effort, and he keeps his foot on the accelerator towards the goal line. That's sort of the entire offense is get these guys on the move, and let's turn good gains into huge gains. And, of course, a quarterback that really fits that mold as well with Tua's accuracy. We got to see Tua and Tyreek getting a lot of work during the individuals. Always fun to watch Tyreek play football, even if he's just running on air. Speaking of that, Let's go to Coach, uh, who 
for some sound on Tyreek and how each player during this portion of the calendar, their practice, their workout, their off-season program is a case-by-case situation because not everyone's participating full go. Tyreek, one of those guys, here's coach on the decision to do that with Tyreek this spring. I'm very consistent that I'll be inconsistent with player to player. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's hard, but if you prove to the players um, that your intent is right and you, uh, and and you're doing stuff for the right reasons, um, and you pay attention and 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 know who's deserving it of um, a little time off, or or maybe you know we're hypersensitive to maintenance of someone. Um, case by case, you you approach it as such. You know, I know one thing: if Tyreek is at risk for further injury. Um, he doesn't know any speed on the practice field, as you guys know, but full go. So um, there's also a component of coaches protecting players from themselves. And he's dealing with some minor stuff, but, you know, if at any point we think it makes the Miami Dolphins worse for someone to practice, turn the page, he will not practice. So um, that's kind of where he's at. We're uh, – you know, I have no concerns of any um, player, whether you're um, the 53rd, the 90th, or, you know, one of the best players in the league. Um, all of those players in a pool, Tyreek is probably the least I'm worried about being physically able to perform his tasks. And I will say he's in executing um, his assignments and walkthroughs. Um, he is... Uh, He's putting his best foot forward is um, night and day ahead of where he was last year with regard to the offense and um, has his mind set on um, improving and getting better from last year, which is the only place we'd want it. Let's go back to some more audio on a player who I think has had an excellent spring so far at the wide receiver position and chosen, Robbie Chosen. Let's go ahead and first go to head coach Mike McDaniel. Chosen's been awesome to have around because he's at he's at a point of his career where he's experienced um, a good amount of success, um, but he's hungry to continue to develop and improve. Um, one of the most coachable guys that I, that I've been around that have had success at the level that he's had in this league. He he is open minded, bright eyed, and wants to be better and doesn't just say that a lot of people can say they want to be better but then when, when you're trying to improve stuff you have to be real with yourself and take criticism and he is a tough-minded um, individual that that means what he says and has, has followed through um, hasn't is really just approached it that he wants to be a part of the team um, I think he he is uh, about the cause as much as anyone in terms of, you know, he knows the direct history of uh, the Dolphins and, and what it would mean to the city um, to for the Dolphins to be a success at the level that we all aspire. So, um, you know, he's doing it for the right reasons and doing it well. And for good measure, let's go ahead and hear from quarterback Tua Tungavailoa on Chosen. Yeah, Chosen is a great teammate. Uh, he's, he's really fast, 
Um, he knows how to get the ball. He's been getting getting the ball a, a good amount this this OTAs. Um, but he's a really good player, just like you know everyone in his room. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side, cover the defense, and hear some additional media from Wednesday. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Heat back on the floor for game number three tonight. Lionel Messi coming to Miami. What a time for South Florida sports. And how much fun was that game too, by the way? These games are making me a nervous wreck. Usually the Dolphins are the only ones that can do that, but the Miami Heat have certainly joined those ranks along with the United States men's national team in soccer. And I guess a Mariners playoff baseball game would do that as well. But I just love this Heat team's resolve. Uh, Once we saw Max hitting those early threes in game two, I knew they'd have a chance because game one got away from them just because, to me, the shots were not falling. Cannot wait for game three in Miami tonight. Let's go, baby. Back to the football and back to the defense. I thought Raekwon Davis was really good today. He had a pass rush win that would have shut the play down if we were live, a.k.a. a sack. Had some really good work in the running game as well. Christian Wilkins, rinse and repeat every single damn day. I don't think we appreciate enough as a collective or talk about enough Emmanuel Ogba's work in the running game. He sets the hardest edge on the team for my money, and he put a clinic on today, setting the edge and funneling plays back inside to his help. You can set your watch to that guy in that role. Mitchell Agude didn't have the same monster day he had yesterday, but I thought one rep he did have was just as impressive as any from that big day. He gets a pass rush win and maybe had a sack. It's tough to tell sometimes. And he gets up off the turf and just sprints downfield to get back into the action 20 yards away. That stuff always looks good on tape. And if you're you're doing it, you're smart because for UDFA, trying to make a name for yourself, that's a good way to do it for the coaching staff, which he has done here in the month of June. Garrett Nelson turned in some more good plays today. At one point, you know, I'm sitting next to my guy, Daniel Oyafusi, up in the bleachers. I said, was that Nelson again? Yep, he says... He's been getting after it. Cameron Good had one of the best coverage reps I saw today, chasing a back downfield, making a pass break up for something like 30 yards down the field. Let's go ahead and finish on the back end here and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, who was asked on Wednesday morning, what do coaches tell you about Jalen Ramsey's presence in the building on a day-to-day basis? He, he's a very talented individual, um, you know, in more, more ways than one. He's been exactly what we need from from a guy that um, is in charge of holding a predominant piece um, in our defense. He's been engaged. He he has history and aversion um, of the scheme. So there's a lot of he there's a lot of talking points that if you have the right type of players, you can really get um, to the next level in terms of how you execute your defense. And he's fit right in with, um, with a, a lot of the veterans here. Um, I mean, you can already see his, him push X for X's benefit. You know, his, the way he communicates with, uh, you know, guys that, that are out there coming off the field and Javon Holland I mean, that's, that's tremendous, but there's also, you know, he's communicating with all the secondary players um, as well as some of the guys that aren't practicing, like the, the Brandon Joneses or the Nick Needhams. Like, he is um, uh, 
exactly what we'd hoped for, probably a little bit more. I think the secondary is where you see the biggest growth from a year ago so far in these spring practices. It looks so sharp, so coordinated. All the space on the field is typically accounted for, as much as you can at least. And you've heard the podcast. A lot of these completions are happening into tight windows. And Justin Bethel's been terrific. I think he has a case for an orange penny on Thursday's practice. We'll find out about that. He had an interception on a third and 11 play during the full field drive. I think it was end of game, so you got to push the ball right. But he stepped underneath River Craycraft and made a pick there. Xavier Howard's having an excellent week. Not sure I've seen him surrender a catch so far. And I'll say watching him and five during install, zone turn, get the eyes on the quarterback. It's kind of intimidating. Like, I think this defense is going to turn people over a lot more than it did a year ago. I saw him make one play on an intended pass, and then there was a screen earlier in practice where X sifted through the traffic and tagged it off in the backfield. He looks really good so far in these practices. Javon Hollins, kind of the similar category as Xavier Howard there for what it's worth. He's quick to react and cut off verticals. He rotates quickly. He disguises well. I think him and Deshaun Elliott have both had a great start to camp. And once again, Tua's comments about Fangio's defense that I played earlier really confirms what I've been going on about with how the coverage structure is so sound and it forces quarterbacks to process the entire look, the entire progression, and sometimes just take what's there underneath. Let's go ahead and finish on that topic here with Jerome Baker and how to play within this defense. Here he is talking about playing under Coach Fangio. Uh, you got to be a smart player to play in this defense, but once you get it down and uh, once you have an idea of what you're doing, I mean, it's so fun to play in. Um, just the, the different things we do, different things we ask for guys, it's, it's definitely going to be fun. So, Actually, I want to go ahead and finish up here with this question and answer from Tua Tungavailoa and a reporter. There's a question in here as well, so it's two answers from Tua. Talking about the idea of culture and getting the right guys in the building opposed to just the most talented guys and the impact of when you do have those talented guys who are also the right guys and the benefit of that. Here's QB1 to close the podcast. Yeah, I think that's really important because if you have someone with talent that does their own thing, it's going to screw up that entire symphony of the offense, the defense, or the special teams. And if you get someone that's less talented but understands what they're doing, their assignment, he's going to be where he needs to be, when he needs to be there, and whatnot, I mean, it's going to, it's going to move like a symphony. And, you know, guys in the back end are going to be able to help that one specific guy um, you know, kind of cover his tracks if he's a little, um, if, if, if he's not as good as, you know, per se, you know, some, someone else at that position. So and when you put it together, like a guy, like everybody talks about Tyreek's work ethic. Yeah. When you have got like guys like that at the top of the food chain, it makes it a lot easier you think, for the other guys. Well, yeah, it makes it a lot easier uh, because, you know, before Tyreek came here, he, he was a well-known person, you know, he's a superstar in the NFL and for him to come here, we have a young team, so, you know, a lot of the younger guys look up to someone like him, and now that he's on the team, you know, they see the kind of work ethic he has. They see what kind of person he is in the building, around the building, and it's like, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's, just, he's a cool dude. He's just like any other person, you know. He's, he's not this, I'm, I'm this ego person, although everyone in the locker room thinks they're better than everyone. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's a team, and, um, you know, everyone respects each other in there. 
So there we go. Another fun edition of the Drive Time Podcast recapping practice. And I'm really enjoying these storytelling style shows. I'm curious to hear how you guys feel about them, opposed to just throwing the media on the back end and giving you all the practice notes, trying to put these all together. More work, more time, but I think a better product. So please tell me what you think about that. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Jeff Wilson's episode just dropped earlier today. Go check that out. He is a... a a ball of energy and a fun guy to talk to. Had a chance to talk to him and myself uh, for some content we're doing coming up this summer as well. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, daddy's coming home. Daddy's coming home.